Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reform Dissenters. Thank you so much for listening to us or watching us today. Uh, whatever you may be watching us on, we really, really appreciate that. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in the wonderful state of South Dakota by my good friend Joseph Lassner. Hello. And we are joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. Thanks so much, all of you, for joining us today. Uh, don't forget, you can share... Uh, links to our episodes, links to the show by going to our website, which is trdshow.net. And that's where you'll find, like I said, a list of links to all of the many platforms that we are on, including Rumble, Gab TV, Gab, and a whole host of pro First Amendment platforms in addition to podcasting platforms. So we would also like to ask our audience, if everybody who's watching this right now, if you can hear my voice, that means that you are capable of doing something that will greatly help this show to uh, spread and also will help us eventually get monetized and a whole bunch of really awesome stuff that we really would love to happen. You are capable of doing something right now that makes all of that possible for us. All you have to do is either leave us a review if you're watching uh, or listening to us as a podcast and follow us, or if you are watching us, subscribe or do whatever the button says that makes you aware of what we're posting and so that we know you liked our content. So like the videos, subscribe, do all the things so that we know that you're listening to us. That really, really helps us so much. We can't even tell you how much that helps us. So please help us out by doing that and sharing this with as many people as you can. If you have questions or data or you'd like to participate in our brand new segment, which we announced last week, TRD Community Question, you can email us at uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that at the end of the show. If you're interested in hearing us do deep dives into some of the current events we talked about on the show, you're going to have to follow us on our pro First Amendment platforms, and that includes Gab, Gab TV, Rumble, uh, and Odyssey. So make sure that you follow us on those platforms. Our theme this month, um, and I forget, I think this is our second to last week with this theme. I, I believe we have one more week with this theme. And uh, our theme this month is what is the realm and authority of Caesar. What is the realm and authority of Caesar? So we've actually talked about both of those things quite a bit this month, both the authority of Caesar and also what his realm actually is. Um, so yes, so we've talked about that. So that is our theme. We're going to be uh, harping on that a lot today. All right, bit of a show breakdown. What's going to be happening today? First of all, we're going to start out as we always do with the current events of the week, breaking down what happened because a week is a long time. A lot happens in seven days. So uh, we have a lot to talk about there. So we're going to be talking about that. After that, we're going to move on to the literature of the month, which is God and Government by uh, Gary DeMar, Volume 1. And then finally, at the end of the show, we're going to be introducing our brand new segment. Well, no, we introduced it last week. We're going to be uh, continuing our brand new segment for the second time. And that's our TRD community question. And Joe, you have something you'd like to add. What about the verse of the week? Yep, we're going to be getting to that as well. Yes, indeed. That is coming up. So, uh, again, if you, uh, if you aren't aware, the TRD community question is a way for us to hear from you. Um, so we would love to uh, get your feedback on that at the end of this segment. So stick around to the end of the episode, and um, we're very excited to hear what you, the audience, has to say. All right, now for the verse of the week, Joe. <laughs> Got to introduce the segments. <laughs> now we're moving on to the verse of the week. This week, our verse is John 3, verse 31. And uh, this is actually a verse that um, our pastor was just talking about this morning in our, uh, in our service. So um, I, really, I really liked the, uh, this verse, and I thought it pertained very well to um, 
what we're discussing and talking about, so I, I figured I would mention it. So, uh, again, it's John 3.31, and it says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Not above some, not above just the church or the family or just the individual, but above all spheres of government, above the civil government as well. So it's important in our discussions today that we remember, and we've been harping on this all month, you know, uh, all branches of government are equal under Christ. Not above Christ, not some elevated above Christ, no, all equal, all under Christ. He who comes from heaven is above all. So that's our verse of the week, John 3.31. All right, with that, let's move into our um, current events breakdown. And uh, Jake, let's start with you. All righty. So I'm going to be going through these five different articles, rapid fire, as and they all Ooh, pertain all right. to the COVID vaccine. And nice. I will get Bruce and Joe's take at the end. Very cool. Great. Uh, so, so the first headline is, Healthy 16-year-old boy dies during online class after receiving second COVID shot from Pfizer. And then that that is very crucial because to, to the rest of these because um, there were studies done that show that kids with in the age age ranges of 15 to 17 or in the, the teens um, show that once they get the vaccine, they have a lot of heart problems. Mm. And that is shown in uh, 16-year-old males uh, in, the, in the teens, not just yeah. 16. But the next headline is, in order to entice 12 to 17-year-olds oh, to get vaccinated... This. Minnesota offers $200 Visa, car, Visa gift card <laughs> or a wow. chance to win a $100,000 college wow. scholarship. What? And you said that was 12 to 13-year-olds or 12 to... 12 17. to 17. 17. Wow. So this, this fits within the age range of that 16-year-old. Hmm. And it, it kind of brings up, if this is already something that's not recommended for this age range, yeah. Why are they doing it? Right, right. And and who did you say? I'm sorry. That headline again. Who who did you say was doing that with the uh, gift cards? Minnesota. Okay. Wow. So the Minnesota civil government, state government. Yeah. That's wow. Crazy. We're gonna pay you and have and you might have an odds of dying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The next one is New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio announces new vaccine mandate. For all city workers, eliminating testing options. Mm. Now they have to get vaccinated. There's no other option. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, those are all the uh, negative ones. Here are oh. some two positive ones. Yay! Um, some positive news for a change. <laughs> yeah. Well, two out of five. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, it's better than yeah. zero, Jake. It's better than zero. Way better than zero. Yeah. All right. Uh, In-N-Out Burger tells San Francisco, hmm. we refuse yep. to become the vaccination police after yes. the city temporarily closes the restaurant. Uh, so the, the, 
the quote there by In-N-Out is, we refuse to become the vaccination police. Mm. And what, what happened there is the, the owner didn't want to. So I think in San Francisco, they were forcing people to act, forcing businesses to actually check and have proof, proof of vaccination. They're having all of the um, all of the customers that come in to show proof of vaccination. <laughs> wow. And In-N-Out Burger says they're not going to do that. Nice. Which I found quite surprising because they are a large chain. Really? And typically large chains yeah. don't like... Yeah, don't they're in the, po- the pocket of the government, pocket uh, of the big, big pharma, yeah. Yeah. So I found that very interesting and very cool. And wow. that's, that's a good, good yeah. piece of news. But uh, last one here is... Thousands protest against vaccine mandates at New York City Broadway Rally for Freedom. Nice. Great. So it, it started out as a very small protest that was going on. Hmm. And, uh, and it grew? And something, something so small that the news media really didn't want to, didn't think it needed to cover. But then tons more people from the time it's, <laughs> started to like one o'clock in the afternoon it turned into thousands of people and that if you if you look at the picture on the article it actually shows how many people were actually there or like the large size of the crowd wow and it is quite cool that people are actually standing up against this and it's it's not just the other communist like countries like australia or yeah. France or England that are that are actually trying to protest and stand up to this, but mm. now we're finally the the land of freedom is actually finally protesting against this. <laughs> yeah, right. Was right. there was there a recent law passed in there that they are that they are trying to protest against, or is it just the facts? Uh, the well, I, I did I did just mention mention that New York City uh, Mayor did. Bill de Blasio announces new vaccine mandate. Ah, so uh, he yeah. just had a mandate that. come out that eliminated the testing option. Hmm. So wow. yes, that could be what they're uh, they're yeah. protesting against. But yeah, it, wow. it's still good I just, news. That I can't believe that it's it's this. come to the point where, and it, well, the craziest thing is they have this isn't the first time like businesses and. Uh, places like this have required vaccines, right? They did this for flu. They did this for all sorts of other things, and it was okay. They set that precedent, right? We let it slip then. Now it's like, well, we already, you know, we already lost this battle years ago. Um, but the fact that that businesses and uh, government institutions think that they can control your body, you don't, you are not uh, autonomous, or you are not you know, an individual, you don't have individual government anymore. You are now uh, a fully a property. You are an item. You belong to the state. You belong to this business. And so they get to tell you whatever they want you to do with your body. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I'm glad America is finally standing up to take a stance. Yeah. Finally, after what it was... 16, 17, 18 months now? Yeah. I lost count. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, in April, it was uh, 
It was the anniversary of 15 months, sorry, uh, 15 days to slow the spread. Mm. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, thanks for sharing, Jake, and I uh, appreciate the touches of optimism. Um, That's nice to see. All right. Let's take it back. uh, Take it back over to Joe. All righty. Well, I am going to be continuing my story from last week Ooh. about the, the mall shooting. Oh, yeah. So what's great about this? Well, it's not great that we've had a mall shooting, but a legally armed bystander was able to um, help protect the mall, and he was able to... Um, okay. The, the news article headline is Legally Armed Bystander Shuts Down Pennsylvania Mall Shooting After Several People Were Struck by Bullets. Hmm. So, so wasn't there a, there was a guy who actually helped stop it, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you're that, talking that's about? That's what here? I'm saying, okay. yeah. There was yeah, a, yeah. a legally armed... Armed bystander. He, he, uh, and the shooter was a 16-year-old. 16 16 wow. So this legal, this legalized, our legal armed bystander came up and hmm. was able to help protect wow. them all. Wow. And, and let me guess, if you did a search on, uh, you know, mainstream media, CNN, all of these anti-gun places, you wouldn't see a single story on there talking about how this mall shooting was ended because someone with a gun stopped the bad guy. You're probably, probably. not going to see a single news story about that unless you go to some of these places that are unbiased. These pro, pro yeah. First Amendment. Yeah. Cases. Yeah. And Second Amendment, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pro, well, both. well, First Amendment if you're talking about speech, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then according to the report, it was an unnamed 16-year-old male that started the shooting. Wow. After engaging in a fight with another person. Mm. So that was interesting to find out. Um, and then the, the end result was, the, was three males and one female, including the teenage suspect, were treated for non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. Mm. Wow. Well, imagine if that um, legally armed bystander, if he didn't, hadn't come in to help the situation. Imagine how much yeah. more yeah. damage. Also, imagine how much stuff could have been stolen. Yep. Yep, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's really about, like, not, not getting rid of guns, but teaching people how to use guns right. and the danger exactly. of guns. Yes. Um, Re- being, I do. Think, I, I think the yeah. word is like always being respectful, right, of, of the weapon and understanding how yeah. much power it, it contains and, and having a healthy respect yeah. for that weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a big thing. You know, I, I've always been um, antagonistic towards violent video games. Um, <laughs> generally, video games in general, I'm not a fan of, but I could certainly make an exception for things like Minecraft and those sorts of things. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I only bring this up because I, I think this is a really good example of, you know, yeah, this has happened before, but we've seen such a huge increase in violent gun-related crimes. And I think that's related to two things. One, people having less guns now, right? 
or being armed less in public with these guns, right? Because of laws where you have to have a permit, you know, to conceal carry, all of these sorts of things. Uh, but then also um, violent video games where you don't have a healthy respect for this weapon. It's just part of the game. You know, everybody's got a gun and you're just shooting up whoever you can see. And that's, you know, that's, there are psychological repercussions for those sorts of things. And I think we're seeing that now. Um, and I, I think for, we're seeing that played out on a, a mega scale. For a weaker and younger mind, yes. I don't think that is specifically the case for a person who, if a person knows how to use a gun respectfully, the, and they play those types of games, I don't think that they are going to then go and shoot up a mall. I, I think maybe someone who hasn't gone through the right training of how to use a gun, and maybe even a younger person plays those types of games, and maybe then. But I don't think that that's a direct correlation. So you think the people who are mature don't have that side effect? as much right right hmm yeah yeah that could be yep all right well i have a second news article and then there's a third news article but bruce and i kind of were like we're gonna talk about this together because it was one of those things i wanted to talk about it and bruce wanted to talk about it so yeah let me first get through my my second news okay. article uh on october 22nd um, there was a there was forty crates that was knocked into uh, crates as in uh, shipping containers were knocked into the Pacific Ocean. Wow, forty crates. Forty shipping crates. They were adrift in the Pacific Ocean after a rough sea not after a rough after a rough sea knocked them off a ship in the west. Street of Huan. <laughs> I I'm butchering this. Yeah, that's a rough name, right? <laughs> it was at Ho, Ho, Juan. Juan D. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Anyway, but the ship lost the containers around midnight Friday, and some of the containers are still floating. The U.S. Wow. Uh, wow. So, um, were they uh, cargo containers that held things that were going to the U.S. or where? Do you know where they were going? Or? I couldn't find that out. I okay. just found out that oh, this is what the wow. this was one Did of the. Did they mention news? like what they held? Was it important cargo, um, well, for like uh, production lines or anything like that? I wasn't able to find any of that oh, okay. information. But they I mean, were forty crates. Whether it's important or not is kind of a big deal. So shipping containers like. It could yeah. have been anywhere between food to lumber supplies, sure. to be honest. Now, yeah. whatever was in those crates could drive whatever was in those crates right. to go up in price because we just lost yeah. that amount of yeah. crates. It's going to uh, have some impact on the supply lines. <laughs> I mm -hmm. mean, that's the last thing we needed right now was something impacting the supply yeah. lines. Like, that's just great. And obviously, it wasn't something that was too terribly heavy, or unless maybe it was heavy, but it just had a lot of... <laughs> air in them because they were afloat mm. yeah. yeah yeah on another note um and i'm i wasn't gonna you know bring this up as a headline or anything but did you hear about uh ronda santez um opening up his ports to the ships that uh california can't unload because they don't have the workers to unload them ronda santez said well not go ahead 
not only that, but I don't know if you heard what California is doing, is that they're allowing – so there are new ships and old ships coming into the ports of California. The, mm. port, the, the ships are coming into the port. Not only are there not enough workers, the, the trucks are also stopped on the California border. Because wow. they don't meet California's requirements oh my goodness. to be these new environmental trucks. Wow. And yeah. I but really they, hope that comes back to bite them. <laughs> it certainly has. It's, yeah. It kind of seems odd because the ships, all of the old ships, the, the new ships, so California also has a thing that the, the ships have to be environmentally friendly, but because oh of COVID, goodness. they. They um, waived that in order for <laughs> more ships to come in. And so they were allowing the new and the old ships to come in. Wow. Yeah. But they didn't do it for the trucks. They were not allowing the old and new trucks to oh, come my in goodness. to upload. Wow. So. Wow. It's yeah. rough. I may have heard, I can't remember 100%, but I may have heard that in like the new ev- environmental trucks, eventually that in like the next 13 years they're gonna have to upgrade again Hmm. and and just continue upgrading and upgrading until yeah and it's it's funny how a lot or back in our um at my college that i i go to we were in our um work study place and they were talking about how there was this little note saying not um not good for California or something in it because oh, yeah. it may it may cause cancer in right. California and then a lot of us were like it's special it, Californian cancer it it, it gives us <laughs> cancer in California but not anywhere right, in the state right. it's a special it's a special strain of cancer Joe it hmm. only happens in the um, you know the 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 air in California what does it do just migrates and just stays yes, in California it can't migrate out it's just magic. <laughs> Cool. Well, well, thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, did you want me to introduce this article yes, that we're going to be talking about? Yes, All please. right. Well, um, next article was actually a submission from uh, our audience. So I figured I couldn't, uh, you know, I had to bring it up if our audience submits it. So mm-hmm. this was um, a submission from the audience, and it says, uh, Big Challenge. Biden is pressed to end federal death penalty. Now, I will say this is not from a reputable source. This is from the mainstream media, unfortunately. Um, So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, It's not from a source that I would usually use, but it brought up an interesting topic. Um, And, uh, Joe, did you want to read some excerpts from the... the, the, uh, article? I I have some things to read as well, but I'll let you kick it off there. What's that? I didn't have any. Okay. I just had Bible verses that oh, gotcha. I wanted okay. to. Well, I'll read from um, some excerpts from the article then, and then uh, then we can discuss it a little bit. So, um, so Joe Biden, the first sitting U.S. president, which by, in and of itself is a comical statement, the fact that he could sit in a chair, and the fact that people <laughs> are pretending he's the U.S. president is hilarious. Yeah. Um, he's the first fake president. Here we go. I'll just <laughs> paraphrase. How does that? He's the first fake president to openly oppose the death penalty. Or at least the people controlling him have told him to oppose... I'm sorry. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Has, uh, so he's discussed the possibility of instructing the Department of Justice to stop scheduling new executions. Um, officials have told the Associated Press the fact that he could maintain those sentences. Wow. Good for him. Um, if he does, uh, that, would, that would end an extraordinary run of executions by the federal government 
all during a pandemic that raged inside prison walls and infected journalists, federal employees, and even those put to death. So they had to get their COVID fear in there, you know, just like every good mainstream media article post does. So there you go. I hope you're afraid, everybody. Be terrified because they tell you to be afraid. Um, all right. So that's what they're saying. So they are, I'm assuming, fairly happy. Most people on the left are overjoyed at the fact of um, or at the idea of ending the death penalty. Um, and uh, Joe and I today will attempt What's to... What's the point of that? What's the point of... Oh, of What's ending the point it? of ending it? Why, yeah, why would yeah. they care well, if it's there or not? So generally speaking, the left loves their emotions so darn much, that's all they care to think about. So emotionally, the idea of killing someone doesn't sound great, right? It doesn't play well, you know, if you're just thinking childishly and all you care about are your emotions. So that's one of their mo motivations. I'm sure there are lots and lots of other reasons why. Um, however, Joe and I want to discuss the biblical uh, viewpoint and perspective of the death penalty. So, do you want to kick it off, Joe? Yeah, I was wanting to read the verse Romans three uh, thirteen four. Ooh, thirteen. And it says, "For he, the government, is God's minister. Um, yeah, minister to mm -hmm. you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid. For mm. he does not bear the sword in vain. Right. For he is God's minister, an, yes. aven an avenger, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. You know and what? That just paints such a fuzzy, warm feeling for the people who do evil. I just, I think that's just, that's just so nice, right? Yeah. Or is that the opposite of what it's saying? Maybe I don't know. You know, it's it's time. <laughs> it's it makes me. Once I heard this. It's kind of funny because a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at the death penalty rate because mm. it was mentioned in our in my sociology class. It but did go up under Trump, right? I don't the, remember. The death penalty rate? Oh, okay. I don't remember all the statistics, but I remember in the, in the time span that I, it was, that I had looked up at that time, Texas was the third highest state that had the death penalty wow. with... Over 200, and I can't remember exact what the numbers were, but it was like 270 or 230 um, death penalties mm. within a lot. Um, I can't remember if it was 10-year or 50-year time span. I'll wow. have to look back up in my notes, and I'll send them to you so you yeah. can post them on our social medias. But um, it was just one of those things. It's like if you do add it all the if you added all the numbers up, and if I'm not mistaken, it didn't even add up to over 2,000 people. Wow. In Maybe, the course of how many years? I, I can't remember exactly if it was 10 to 50, but I will wow. definitely okay. bring, bring the <laughs> yeah. um, resource up that I okay. had found. Very cool. And so it, it just, just in conclusion, it was, it was a long a span of time. It was a long span of time. That it happened, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just it like one. It amounted to 2,000. Yeah. And, it, yeah, and I think the state of South Dakota had only three or four. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. But anyway, as I um, have brought up the verse of the that that verse Romans four or Romans thirteen four, <laughs> it makes you wonder. Okay, so the government's job was to um, serve punishment, if you will. Yes. Well, now. Yeah, we're 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 trying. Biden's trying to get rid of that. So mm -hmm. then, right? 
Why don't we just get rid of the government <laughs> they got, entirety? They got so busy doing everything they shouldn't be doing that now they're neglecting the one thing they actually should be doing. <laughs> and it is humorous and uh, frightening. I personally think that if you get rid of the death penalty, it's just a gateway for criminals to just yes. start attacking more. Yes. And so, um, real quick, just to interject. Yeah, go ahead. I, so, um, Deuteronomy lists multiple crimes for which someone should be put to death by the civil government. So, I, I did some research and looked into this a little bit. Um, and I just wanted to list some of those crimes um, because I think that's important. And it also shows how important these things are to God, right? Because if it's a death penalty... Man, that's that's like that's a last resort. You know, like if it's gotten to that level, it's bad. So the fact that God includes these things in his list of what the death penalty should be used for, it means these are really important. So at the top of the list mentioned most in the book of Deuteronomy were uh, was leading people into idolatry. So leading people astray, leading them away from worshiping God. That was actually treated with the death penalty. That was that was an important that was a horrible sin, really important thing. Like you're idolatrous. That's one thing. That's in your own home, your own heart. But then when you start leading other people into idolatry, God takes that very seriously. So that's the top of the list. Um, Adultery was there. Rape, homosexuality, kidnapping, murder, and various other crimes were all uh, on this list. So I think these are discussions that we need to have, right? Because these are things that obviously God takes very seriously. Um, for most of the things like theft, he had a retribution system, right? You would, you would, um, pay double whatever you took, right? You steal two eggs, you have to give them four. And if you can't, then you work for them so, for so many months, right? For, for all of these other instances of crimes and sins against, uh, against people, neighbor versus neighbor, you had other systems of handling those crimes. For these specific crimes, there were death penalties, Right? It was an important thing. God did not take this lightly. So not only does the Bible condone the death penalty, it, it lists what the death penalty should be used for. So go ahead, Joe. I think you had some other verses you want to mention. Oh, that was literally the only verse oh, okay. because I thought that was like literally the most important verse for, for this because yes. it's literally stating the government's job is to bear the sword, and now the government's job is not bearing the sword at all. Yes. Yeah. I, I did do, I've quickly found something up, and currently 23 or 24 states have the death penalty, and 23 states don't have the death penalty currently. Wait, only 23? Only 24 states. Oh, 24 have it, 23 mm-hmm. don't have it. Correct. Got As it. of 2021. Okay. Okay, wow. I, and I will definitely share that with you. Yes, that would be very cool. Very, so very... It, what was that? Isn't it interesting in uh, Romans 13, it starts out saying, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Yet, it then says in verse 4, for he is God's servant for your good. So it's, it's saying, be subject to the governing authorities, but then... Doesn't it also say he's God's servant? Hmm. So yeah. this is not saying that listen to everything the government says. <laughs> right. But right. It, I, I think that this passage here specifically is very misunderstood. Yes. And, and if you just read down a couple verses, mm-hmm. you'll find that this is not what it's talking about. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. 
you know, there's a, um, I don't know if it's an idiom or it's just a popular phrase that uh, says, I can do all three, all things through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> and, uh, yep. so, and a cup of coffee. And, and yes. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that, that verse gets taken out of context so often. And we just, we miss, because that's a really powerful verse, right? Given the context of the rest of scripture, right? Like, why would you take a verse, rip it out of context, and then make a whole doctrine based on that? So, um, yeah, it's, it's explaining, it's showing, showcasing what biblical government looks like. It's, it's detailing that it is, um, saying that that's okay there. It's, it's actually, and Gary DeMar was talking about this. It's saying that, uh, civil government is an okay thing. It's, it's, uh, uh, what is that called? It's, it's strengthening that it's saying, yep, it's reinforcing that idea that civil government is from God. Um, but it's also saying this kind of government is from God. This is the kind of government that's from God. This is the kind of government you should obey. And also, this is what it should do, right? So, very cool. Any other articles, Joe? I, I just found this. And okay. <laughs> okay, so this might shock you. But back in the, the most amount of... This is a, a table chart from 19... 73 to 2020 and as in that chart it shows 1996 is the the year that had the most death penalty or death sentences wow. of 315 oh okay wow that's it's not an incredibly high number that's not a high number and in 2020 according to this uh chart death sentences were 18 oh my goodness wow yeah. All right then. That that's crazy, mind blowing. If yeah. you ask me, and again, I will share all this information, Very cool. and we'll get this on on the media. But it's yeah. like abortion kills way more people than the death <laughs> sentence. Yep. Yep. But isn't it also um, spending life in jail? Isn't that also a sentence? Uh, not biblically speaking. But no, um, no, definitely not. But isn't that something that they do instead of doing a death sentence? I yeah. believe so. I, I couldn't find and that. Those. And Go ahead. that would be like worse because yeah. these are they're taking up a cell. Yep. That using taxpayer money for these money. people. Yep. Right. Right. And so now the the now they have to create more cells mm-hmm. to keep the other people. Yep. When they could just, these people are yeah. not getting out yeah. of here. There's a they're, reason they're, the death sentence, life in here. there's a reason the death sentence was as prevalent as it was. Yeah. Um, you know, God said, no, these people, no, there is no fixing them. And you're not going to let them just rot and sit in a cell. I will judge them. Um, yeah, there, there are verses that say uh, we can't put people in cages. Hmm. Right. And so, uh, yeah. and so, like that—that's basically what the government is doing. They're just putting people in cages. Yeah. And they—they they can't actually reconcile for what they did. Yep. They—they they can't. They can't make atonement. And so. No restitution. Yep. Yeah. So not only are the, um, you know, criminals now taking up that space, it's also the people who were wronged are worse off than they were before. 
They, right. they never got restitution. They never got repaid for the crime that was committed to them. So now, not only are they supporting financially the people who wronged them, right? They are also not gaining anything from it. They're worse off from it. So it's, it's, it's just bad on both sides for the um, person who the crime was committed against than it is the victim is actually getting the worse end of this deal than the criminal. Criminal mm-hmm. gets free meals. He gets a free bed. He gets to just, you know, yeah, sure. You got to watch out for your life sometimes. People might, you know, shiv you, but... <laughs> you actually but, get to be in climate-controlled temperature. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of better than what we have for yep. those homeless people sitting on the street. Indeed, indeed. So it's like, so, they got it great. Yeah, yep. So, yep. When, when we go away from God's word... The consequences, yep. The consequences, we can't, we can't even see what all of the consequences will be. You know, I say this all the time when I'm talking about when government money gets involved. We don't know what all the consequences are going to be, uh, but we'll figure them out. <laughs> um, so after a few years, you just wait. You're going to see some major consequences. It may not even take that long, and then you've got to fight your way out of it. I'm afraid to see what those consequences are. Indeed. Indeed, I think we're seeing them already, and uh, I think we're about to see a lot more in the next couple of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. Great Reset is possible because of countries like the U.S. who are partially in and partially out of socialism. That money goes right to the U.N. and is funding the next horrifying thing that's about to go down. So, all right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Jake, for sharing those. Thanks, Bruce, for um, this Nice conversation. Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, actually, we should, we should thank the person who sent this to us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I forgot to ask them if they, it, was, it was okay if I dropped their name, so I'm not going to mention their name. Um, but, uh, yes, we appreciate you very much for sending that in. And, um, and uh, yeah, if anybody else has articles they'd like to share with us as well, definitely send them in. Any data you'd like to share, we'd be very excited to see that. So. All right, uh, my articles, I'll keep them brief because I know we are running <laughs> short on time. <laughs> this was good conversations, but now we're running short on time. Um, okay, so uh, Texas AG, Attorney uh, General, uh, su- uh, urges Supreme Court to leave anti-abortion law intact. Um, leave anti-abortion law intact. Texas Governor, uh, no, I'm sorry, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has, filled, uh, has filed court papers with the Supreme Court asking the nine judges to deny an attempt to rescind the state's recent ban on abortions after six weeks. The heartbeat provisions in SB, I think that's Senate Bill or State Bill 8, reasonably uh, further Texas's interest in protecting unborn life, which exists from the outset of pregnancy. Uh, And this was from uh, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton. And further... He said it doesn't violate the 14th Amendment. Paxton wrote uh, a submission to the court on October 21st, referring to Senate Bill 8, and that was what he wrote. Properly understood, I think this is a continuation of, yes, this is a continuation of what he said. Properly understood, the Constitution does not protect a right to elective abortion. Um, He said that the law protects Texas's interest in protecting unborn life, which exists from the outset of pregnancy. Previously, the Supreme Court voted 5-4 to to allow the Texas law to be enforced in early September in a separate challenge that was filed by pro-abortion groups and providers. Chief Justice John Roberts joined Justices Stephen or Stefan Breyer, uh, Elena Kagan... (laughs) 
Kagan. And uh, Sonia, oh my gosh, Soto, May Soto Mayer? So Soto Mayer? Yeah, we'll go with that. In the descent. So, you know, all the not great justices, including John Roberts. So, all right. So that's, uh, that's one. Um, thought I would share that because they're fighting back, um, which is cool. It, it looked like for a while like Texas was going to lose and their wonderful abortion law they just passed a month or two ago looked like that was going to get, um, you know, abolished. But thankfully, they're fighting back and it looks like they might have some progress there. It looks like it might actually stand. So it's encouraging. Um, we can all hope and pray that that law it remains um, and that all of the unborn children in Texas are saved and are not murdered by their parents. That would be very cool to see. So let's pray that this actually sticks. And if you're in Texas, call up some people. <laughs> Figure out who you got to call and just make sure they know that you support this. Um, and, and start acting with it. Um, that bill allows you to sue doctors who people who claim to be doctors, they're murderers. It allows you to sue these murderers um, and bring them to court for murdering unborn children. Do it. Sue the heck out of these murderers and get them in jail if you can. These people are despicable. Um, all right, next headline. Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz, one of my absolute favorite people of all time. Um, Daniel Horowitz wrote an article for The Blaze, and this is the headline, where are the governors? Now the feds will experiment with failed shots on our young children. Uh, and then this is from his article. It is undeniable that this vaccine is the quickest waning and deadliest one in history, even if one believes that for older adults, the cross-benefit analysis is still favorable, which, by the way, Peter McCullough was on an um, interview with Steve Dace uh, earlier last week. I think it was last Tuesday. And um, he is a world-renowned doctor in I, I don't even remember all the things that he is known for. Um, incredibly intelligent man. He's actually still performing, unlike Fauci, he is still treating patients with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, all of this stuff. He's saving patients' lives. And he says, even for adults, he doesn't recommend the COVID-19 vaccine, any of them. Um, which prior to last Tuesday, he was, I mean, most interviews, he was recommending, eh, if you're in the at-risk uh, range, like above 60, um, then we'd recommend that you, you know, maybe look into it if you want. You shouldn't have to get it, but if you want to, then we can't say you shouldn't. Now he's saying, no, don't get it. It's not safe. More and more data comes out every single day, and he cannot in good conscience, conscience say that it's safe anymore, even for those at risk, because natural immunity is so much better than these ridiculous jabs it's unbelievable and the day he, nobody you know he he can't ignore that data anymore and he's just he just said nope i wouldn't recommend anyone get it so there's that um so it is incontrovertibly clear that young children don't need a vaccine for this virus certainly not young children um much less one that is known to cause myocarditis and numerous thrombotic uh ailments i think i said that right yes i did sweet um so that's from Daniel Horowitz, and I'll link that article in the description of all the um, platforms we're on, so whatever platform we're in, all of these, the things we talked about, check out those articles below and, and read through them, and um, there's always more information than we had time to get to on the show within those, um, within those articles, so definitely check those out. So. Always. 
All right. Well, uh, thank you all so much for your uh, contributions as well. And uh, that goes for you, Jake and Joe, as well. That was very, very cool. Very good segment. And uh, we appreciate the audience participation. Very cool to see. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, and that is the literature of the month. So uh, this month we are reading, uh, of course, as a reminder, we're reading God and Government, Volume 1 by Gary DeMar. And uh, this week we read chapters 7 and 8. And uh, we're going to answer... Uh, first ask a few questions and then answer a few questions uh, based on what we read this month so or this week. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, let's have you go first. And the first question is, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? Uh, something uh, interesting that is said in the book is that during the first Continental Congress, uh, one key talking point was the printing of more Bibles. Hmm. Uh, let me say that again. One of the biggest issues that this Continental Congress sought to fix was the lack of Bible. Hmm, I read, yes, that was, that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't there the number of 20,000 Bibles were printed after one yeah. of the wars? After the, or yeah. a, after they, the so Declaration? Yeah, the, the Revolutionary, once the Revolutionary War happened, um, the 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 ship routes were kind of broken between England and America, yep. and so America was getting all of their Bibles from England. Yep. But now they didn't have as many Bibles, and people didn't didn't have as many Bibles, and so Congress sought to um, they they wanted yeah make them readily, readily available twenty thousand yeah. 20,000 uh, more Bibles. And the, the reasoning was was that this document was very important to America. Yeah. yeah. Especially, well, I'll get into this in my next answer, but yeah, this, yeah. because it was so important to America's founding. Nice. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Jake. That was... Um... That was really, really neat to read, and I, I was actually previously unaware of that. So I read that, and I was, I was just blown away. I mean, all of Chapter 7, I'll get into this more later, but um, all of Chapter 7 was just incredible to read. I mean, it's one of those things, yeah. you know, you know America had Christian foundings, but sometimes we don't realize how much of an impact the Christian faith had on the foundings of America, and just... Reading through chapter seven was just, it was amazing and it was comforting. And I'll talk about that in my answer. But before we do that, anything else you want to add, Jake, before we move on to Joe? I just wanted to say I'm, I'm going over that as well in uh, answer to two. So hmm, I didn't nice. take all my talking. Points. Okay, I'll try not to. <laughs> Psychically transmit to me what you're going to say and then I won't say the same thing. All right, sweet. Oh, thanks. I, I just got Done. it. All right. <laughs> All right, Joe. So there was just so much in Chapter 7. We could have probably spent a whole hour just talking about Chapter 7 alone. Or at least I could. I had to figure out what to pare down and what not to pare down. I had so (laughs) many highlights and everything. But in the end, I decided to go with how Damar breaks down the history. Well, the the title of Chapter 7 was, a paraphrase of the chapter was, the history of Christians and the history of the United States. Hmm. Yep. And in, in this section called uh, 
part, the section part of New England on page 21 and 22, it talks about how uh, the Synod of New England and how they defined the government and the duties of citizens. The yep. four points that I took away from that, and there's a there's, um, few more paragraphs after that, <laughs> but point one was God was the supreme Lord and King, and the, the civil magistrates were to be under him. Now, thinking about that, the civil magistrate, isn't that what the government's job is? So therefore, now the civil magistrate is required to listen to God, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. That, yep. That's just one thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the theme we've been harping on all month. And, and you know, some of these places actually knew that, you know, mm-hmm. these governmental founders really knew that and they really believed that that were those were their deeply held convictions and we can see that in in what you're about to talk about yeah Mm -hmm. point two was it was lawful for christians to accept and execute the um yeah accept and execute the office of magistrate when they were called to it Hmm. so that's another form i guess in, in today's terms we it's it's all kind of a thing for us Christians to get up and get into political office. That's one of the things we should be as Christians being yeah. involved in our political offices and yep. trying to turn this country back around to what it was originally founded for. Under God, the people people rule. Actually, that's our state motto. Um, the third uh, point was. Those who claimed slash acted like Christians were, but were making laws against God's laws were, then they were to be brought up before the church and the civil government and the civil magistrate. This nice. this this shows that the church and the the church and the civil magistrate were on equal. This was not mm, just yeah. one. The the magistrate was over the church, or the yeah. church was over the magistrate. The, the person was supposed to come to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Each respected the other's position and, and knew that both had something to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both equal under Christ. Yep. And then the last point in this is, it is our duty as Christians hmm. to pray for our magistrates. Hmm. And this, this was, um, this synod took place on September 30th, 1648. Wow. Yeah. Those are the points that I found interesting in that book. Again, there were so many, so many yes. different points. I'm like, <laughs> I know. how do I choose? And I'm yes. like, okay, the first, the first section is before, nice. how, before America was founded. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Joe. You're welcome. Very cool. Um, yeah. So what did I find most interesting about the chapters? Gary DeMar spent all of chapter seven discussing the Christian foundations of America, which Jake and I uh, just talked a little bit about earlier, um, which were even more extensive than I originally thought. Um, and I didn't think that was possible because I already thought America was a strongly Christian country to begin with. And this just, I mean, I mean, times 10 of what I originally thought was <laughs> the influence of Christianity on America's founding. On page 116, DeMar said, Christian principles, laws, and virtues permeated the early colonies to such an extent that the spirit of Christianity entered into the foundations and elements of our uh, national existence 
and affected our civil and political theory and gave shape and structure to our institutions. Uh, end quote. The reason America was so successful for so long was because it started as a predominantly Christian society based on God's word. Gary DeMar went, in, uh, went on to bring up specific examples from the original colonies and the settlers who came over from the Mayflower, or came over on the Mayflower. <laughs> yeah, Mayflower is not a country. It's a <laughs> ship. Um, <clears throat> the Mayflower Compact included the phrase, for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, when explaining why the settlers had traveled all the way from England to this strange new land. The Christian influence only grew from there. DeMar began breaking down the laws of the original colonies, starting with New England on page 118, when he said, The synod of the New England churches, and this is exactly what you were just talking about, um, and I only listed uh, one of those, um, uh, but I kind of wrote the whole thing out and gave a little bit more explanation, so I'll mention that here, even though you just <laughs> said it. Uh, That's but I'll all go right. through it kind of quickly. Synod of the New England churches met in Cambridge, Massachusetts, September 30th, 1648, and defined the nature of civil government the functions of the civil magistrate, and they also define the duties of the citizens as follows. Um, so the first one, the first thing that they included in their, uh, in the uh, New England Constitution in 1648 uh, was God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people and for his own glory and the public good. And to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for the defense and encouragement of them that do well and for the punishment of evildoers. That was in their constitution. I was just blown away when I read some of these things. I couldn't believe it. Um, Damar adds that they had also the great and good end of uh, extending and establishing the kingdom of Christ and of bringing the whole continent under the reign of Christianity and filling it with its saving blessings. Next on the list, oh, end quote. Uh, next on the list was Connecticut. DeMar listed the tenets outlined in the writing of the Connecticut Constitution created in 1639. The first tenant said, the, uh, the scriptures hold forth a perfect rule for the direction and government of all men in all futures with uh, which they are to perform to God and men as well in families and commonwealths as in matters of the church. He added, uh, that the general court established under this constitution ordered that God's word should be the only rule for ordering the affairs of government in this commonwealth. DeMar next discussed Pennsylvania, my home state of Pennsylvania, outlining the original intentions of William Penn for that land. Penn said that the government of the colony was to serve the truth and the people uh, of the Lord, that an example may be set to the nations. Gary DeMar added that the first legislative act on December uh, 1682 announced the ends of a true civil government, whereas the glory of Almighty God and the good of man, mankind is the reason and end of government, and therefore government in itself is a venerable ordinance of God. Uh, end quote. Lastly, DeMar, in talking about the founding of New Jersey, mentioned that their motto on their provincial seal was righteousness exalteth a nation, which is derived from Proverbs 14.34. So, yeah, that's a lot. I Like Joe, I couldn't figure out how to pare that down. I really just wanted to read through all of it because um, I could say there's so many examples of Christianity in our history, but until you really understand just how many examples there are, that doesn't mean much. So these were just a few, and I literally mean just a few, um, of 
the Christian principles, examples of Christian principles in uh, the founding of America. So I, th- I thought that was very, very interesting um, to bring up. So when, when I was reading this and hearing you, and I'm glad you did a little more or explained a little more about the Constitution, um, New England's Constitution, it just really, really shows us, or at least me, how pagan of a country we are. We, we're, mm. we're not really a Christian country anymore. Can yeah. we even call us a Christian country yeah. nope. anymore? No, we are not. Nope. We used to be. And then we removed every single reference to biblical truths from our Constitution until now. It barely means what it used to mean. Yep. I, I yep. feel like everybody just treats it as words and not a meaning anymore. It does. Yeah, they do. They just, do. Just like how they say, well, we're, we still live in a free country. I'm like, uh, no, we, we really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is, I mean, no. you can try and compare it to other countries, and you might find um, some semblance of freedom. But what we live in is on the brink of communism. We live in a socialistic, semi-communistic already society, and we've been here for decades. Mm-hmm. So to say yeah. that we still live in a Christian free country, I don't think you quite understand just how bad it is. Because people say that, and then they're like, it, it just makes them, eh, go back to sleep, whatevs, I don't got to do much, right? Because, eh, we still kind of live in a free country. Oh, I'm sure there's people out there who will fight my battles for me, right? Mm-hmm. We've got our, our beloved constitution that will just... Win the day every single time without fail. But no, this constitution was a framework for you. It was a framework for us to live in, to protect, to defend, to work within. It was not something that's just a magical document that's going to save the day. If nobody uses it, it's not going to help us. And guess what? Right now, nobody's using it. So, mm-hmm. All right, next question. Uh, what did you find most surprising, something you hadn't considered that way before? And Jake, go for it. Alrighty, so this is nothing uh, that the book really directly says, but um, but something that I think we all miss or forget is that our nation, and like Joe and Bruce have been saying, uh, our nation was not only founded by Christians, but it had, but it uh, was created to be a Christian nation. Mm, yes. Yes. The founders were not people who had a Christian faith yet threw it away when it came to government. They, in, uh, they instead created a government that would follow biblical <laughs> law. Yes. Uh, they, in multiple founding documents, mentioned God, mentioned God not, not only as God among many gods, but as the only and true God who had headship over everything. Hmm. Uh, we see that even the more atheistic of the founders had a strong Christian ideology. Uh, one person would be uh, Benjamin Franklin, who was a deist, yet saw the importance of the Christian faith in the American nation. Hmm. Uh, this fits, and this fits with uh, what John Adams said about the Constitution, that the Constitution would fail without a moral and religious people. So like what Bruce was saying before, um, that people just say, oh, we have the Constitution, it'll keep our freedoms. No, 
no, it, it's going to fail without a just and moral people. And this mm, was one yeah. of the people who created the Constitution. So we, yeah. we have to keep yeah. this a religious nation. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a, what we were talking about last week, too, is, you know, our freedoms aren't derived from the Constitution. Our freedoms aren't even derived from ourselves. Our freedoms are derived from God, right? And when we lose track of that, when we lose that underpinning ideology, we lose our freedoms. They go with it. Um, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Jake. That's, that's really important. That's really good to bring up. Yeah, because it did. It impacted. It, it changed their perspective so much that we had one of the freest and best examples and experiments of a truly free government on earth um, until we lost it. So, all right. Um, so, my answer to this question, what did you find most surprising, something you hadn't considered that way before, is I just wanted to mention that we can get caught up in the issues of today and forget just how Christianized America really was at, at its beginnings, right? Everything I read for my last answer is a brilliant example of what happens when a people truly see that God's word applies to every area of our lives, I really appreciated Gary DeMar spending an entire chapter discussing the rich Christian heritage of America because it helps us understand that when God is on our side and when we are following his perfect law, he truly will bless our land. You know, a lot of times we read scripture and with our own understanding, we don't understand how it could work, right? We look at a biblical version of government and we're like, ah, I don't like it. I, I want centralized government because it gives me this, 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 and this. And I think my quality of life is going to be better. And I, you know, all of these different reasons that we hear from so many people, including most Republicans, right? Well, you know, technically, I, I think it's okay for the government to have a huge standing army. I don't, I don't see an issue with that. Or, oh, I, I don't really see an issue with um, government uh, educating my children. You know, that's not really a huge deal. But what we saw in the founding of America was when these people said, you know what? I may not understand why God has it this way. I may not understand. I may want it differently personally, but I'm going to throw all of that away. And I'm going to look at scripture, solo scriptoria. I'm going to look right at scripture and I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to do. This is my standard, nothing else. And that's what we got. We got a country that was the freest country in the world for a long period of time. Everybody looked to us the same way the nations looked to Israel. And we've talked about this before, right? We were a light. When Matthew 13, 513, that's our verse, right? Salt and light in the world. Light stands out. It's a, a glimmer. It's a reflection of something. And it sticks out. And people turn their heads. They're like, what was that? That's what we were. Because we didn't, we put aside all of our personal ideas. We put aside all of our personal gripes. And we said, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to not rely on my own understanding. I'm going to rely on God's word alone. And that's what we got. That was the result. So I just, it was so amazing to me to see that. Um, and I really didn't understand the extent of that until I read this chapter. And I just, it was just so profound. I loved reading that. Um, all right. Third and final question. Yes, this is going to be a bit of a longer show. But um, there's a lot of really good stuff here, so we can't just not talk about it. So, Fortunately, my third point was a little short. Okay. No, no worries. So, <laughs> so um, 
I'll ask the question first. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And as a reminder, our theme this month is what is the realm and authority of Caesar? And Joe, go for it. <laughs> On page 144 of my, uh, of my version of the book, DeMar states, the Constitution was based upon the law and that the law was founded upon biblical and natural law. Later, mm. later down that paragraph, he also states the Constitution would protect all the people, their lives, liberties, and property, property, and avoid tyranny by one man, minority, an established elite, or a majority. Hmm. And the reason why I figured this is why, or to bring, mention this, is because it shows that there really isn't a position for Caesar except to bear the sword. Yes. Yep. Anything that goes beyond um, civil liberties, I think that's mm-hmm. a good word to say, um, anything that goes beyond, that's not the government's job. Yes. And it's just, they're just to bear the sword. Yep. Yep. Sounds like a boring job. And I think that's what the government was like. Yes. This is a boring job. Yes. Let's see what we can let's, do. Let's, let's do more. Let's make the people suffer. Right. <laughs> Without let's, peep that. let's help the people. We could be doing so much more than just the justice division of society. Let's expand and give them free education and free health care and all of this other garbage that we're not supposed to be doing. And then, oh, ha, let's forget how to do the job we were actually given. Um, and scrap all that and become an, an entirely new bubble of society that was never meant to exist in the first place. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's <laughs> where we have gone to now. That's yep. where we are. And the more I read this book, the more I have really, really realized that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an eye-opening book, for sure. Um, cool. Well, thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Thanks for mentioning that. All right, so again, the question is, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And the theme, as a reminder, is what is the realm and authority of Caesar? So my answer, um, I want to take some time and mention some of the things I found most interesting from Chapter 8 that I believe relate directly to our theme. So Chapter 7 was the origins of America, the Christian origins of America specifically. And Chapter 8 talked about the Constitution. Now, Jacob and I have had uh, debates and discussions about uh, the Constitution versus the Articles of Confederation. And uh, just before the show started today, I was saying to Joe, I'm like, I know this is going to come up because on the first page of Chapter 8, Gary DeMar took a side and he said, no, I'm not a fan of the Articles of Confederation necessarily. Um, Or at least he didn't really state it so flatly. He did say, you know, here were the flaws Here's why the Constitution was developed, and he seemed more in favor of the Constitution. So, um, you know, I am still not exactly opposed to the Articles of Confederation. I would, uh, I would love to go back to those if possible, but, of course, first stepping stone is the Constitution. So it would be great if we can I get think, back to that. I think, like a lot of things, um, there can be a middle ground yes. between yes. those two documents. Um, I like the freedoms that are allowed in the articles, but it's not necessarily a a document that is meant for a large nation that America is currently. And the Constitution, yes, 
was a better document for a growing nation, but I think we need to find a middle ground. Yes. And yeah. because certainly I personally, a middle ground that fits better with biblical principles. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, in, in, in uh, doing this show, I've had to do a lot of research on the Constitution and um, all of the loopholes that seem to have been put there on purpose. But there are just so many ways for the government to take advantage of its people. Um, it, doesn't sit well, it doesn't sit well with me sometimes. So, yes, I would love to see a compromise between the two. Because the Constitution, I don't think, is staunch enough on providing a strict government. So, yeah. Um, but, thanks for weighing in there, Jake. I appreciate it. I knew that, I knew that you'd have something to say about that. <laughs> We've had this debate many times. <laughs> um, Gary DeMar helped outline why the Constitution was created and how it has scriptural foundations. So, that's what he spent chapter, uh, chapter 8 talking about. And, you know, th there were a lot of really good points brought up. So, even though I don't fully 100% agree with the entirety of the Constitution, um, Gary DeMar did bring up some really great points and tied it into um, Scripture very well. So I wanted to point those out. So first, on page 140, DeMar relates our U.S. structure of civil government to the civil government given to Israel by God. He shared a quote which said, In the Hebrew Republic, as in ours, there were three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. Um, and then he quoted that, so Gary DeMar, quoting this other person, said, <laughs> um, Isaiah, he quoted Isaiah 33, 22, which says, for the Lord is our judge. That's one. The Lord is our lawgiver, two, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. Next, he shared a quote from Russ Walton, uh, which discussed the structure of the Hebrew civil government given by God. And uh, his quote was, the authority of the judges was checked by the Senate of tribal leaders, the princes. The power of the senatorial council was checked by the power of the judicial and the people. And the whole was under the restraint and constraint of the divine constitution, the law of God. And that's Deuteronomy 5.3 and uh, Deuteronomy 27, chapter 27. When God permitted the people to have an earthly king, that king was required to write him a copy of this law in a book and read therein all the days of his life. And that's Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 and 19. Knowing all of this about the government given by God to Israel helps us understand which core parts of the U.S. system of government were derived from Scripture and should be restored. So knowing what God created as a system of government helps us understand what we should take from the Constitution and restore, right? Because obviously the whole document isn't bad, right? There are parts of it that are good. But how do we find those parts? How do we know what those are, right? Is it 90% of it? Is it 99% of it? Is it 6% of it, right? How much of it is good? That's where this comes in, this kind of, of breakdown, this kind of study of the, the structure of government that God created, we look at that, and then we look at the Constitution, and we figure out what's been modified over the years, what's been added to it, what can we remove, how do we get it back to what God wants us to do. So that's really important. Uh, lastly, DeMar discussed uh, representation. On page 146, um, he said, the, is the elders of Israel stood before Moses as he's presented them, uh, presented to them the stipulations of the covenant. The elders represented the people. That's Exodus 19, verse 7. Elders had been chosen by the people um, 
in Exodus 18, end quote. Having the people represented in civil government was an important part of the government given to Israel and was picked up by the founding fathers at the founding of our nation. So that's another thing that was picked up. The, the structure of government, right? You've got the three branches that was picked up. The layers of government, right? From the top all the way down to the local, right? That's from Israel's government. And then also we see here representation is another thing that was from Israel's government. So there we go. We've identified three aspects of our constitution that are biblically based. So that's, it's really cool to look at that and to, to pull out those parts of it when we're discussing whether the constitution is a biblical document or not. So we need to have more of these kinds of discussions. Indeed. All right. Anything else you guys would like to add? Um, I know we talked about a lot of stuff. I'd like to add before we move on to our last segment. All right. Very cool. Well, again, thank you guys all for the uh, discussions. These were all very, very good discussions. We talked about a lot of different things today. Lengthy so too. what's that? Lengthy too. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We are just over our time slot right now, but that's okay. We're going to keep pressing on because we got to talk about our TRD community question. Here we go. This is the, <laughs> this is the, it sounds like a game show. TRD community question. This was the um, segment that we introduced last episode. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that. So <clears throat> if you missed this in the last episode, here's a recap of what this segment is. You've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. So send us an email this week with your answer to our TRD community question. Also, feel free to add your answer as a comment on the TRD community question Gab post. And we got one answer to our question from last week, and it was on our Gab page. So that was perfect. So we're going to be reading that on the show today. <clears throat> so our question last week was, what are ways that you, and we wanted to make this specifically about you. That's what this segment is. What are ways that you can start affecting the culture around you where you are today? So um, the answer we got was actually from the, um, from the same person who sent us in the article, which was very cool. And uh, it said, I think a good way to affect the community is to stand up against the tyrants in the community. Uh, the ones who say no mask, no service, and people who yell at you for doing what's right, like handing out tracts. Um, don't give in to the evil that's been brought to every state and sadly our entire country. And like that woman who got arrested for being with her dying daughter, that was one of the uh, uh, news articles we talked about on the show last week, we need to not be afraid and do what that brave woman did, no matter what the real pandemic is. Um, oh, no matter what, sorry. The, the real pandemic is the loss of liberty, and we need to show these tyrants they can't take, uh, they can't take it. So that was uh, very thankful to get that... Uh, get that comment from one of our listeners. Did you guys have anything you wanted to uh, talk about or mention or bring up from that comment or? No, I'm glad. I, I liked, I liked everything that you were saying, especially uh, the real pandemic is the loss of liberty. Yes. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very well said. Very well, very well said. Yep. I'm glad to see we got an audience participation. Yes, we got someone. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get two comments next week. Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Keep them coming, everybody. That yeah. would be awesome. All right, so here's our question this week. Now, you can always comment on our gab page from you know and and reply to our question from last week if you'd like. Um we might also read that on the show next week if you'd like. But here's our question this week. What are the ways that you, again, specifically you, not just a general you, you, whoever's listening to us right now, if you can hear my voice, I'm talking to you. 
Um, what are the ways that you can get your church, <laughs> Jake's laughing, uh, you can get your church involved in your local community? If your church is already involved, we'd love to hear how, because we want to share these um, ideas of involvement with our audience so that um, we can get our churches involved. We can get, um, everybody else can get their churches involved because that's where it starts, right? It starts on an individual level, like we started last week talking about the individual. What can you do? Okay, now moving up. What can the church do? How can we get involved on a church level? And we have to talk about, hopefully one of these times we'll talk about the office of the church because I think that's an important office um, that gets overlooked a lot. Um, and I think that's a big reason for why we're seeing the decline in our societies. The office of the church isn't doing what it's supposed to do, right? We have civil government overstepping its bounds, and we have the church giving ground and not doing what it's meant to do. So it's a problem on both sides, and it needs to be corrected from two perspectives. So, you know, the church should be more involved in the community. People, the homeless people in the community, the people who just lost their jobs and they have a family to support, all of these people should know that the church is ready to help them. And not just... Like Joe always says, not just give them a hand out, but give them a hand up, right? That's Joe's phrase. He, you know, help them up so that they can help themselves, right? Teach a man to fish and he'll feed himself, right? But if you just give him a fish, well, okay, what's that going to do? He's going to come back tomorrow and ask for another fish. But churches are in a unique position to teach people to fish, to teach people to work. And while they're doing that, they can give those people the gospel, which is really why the church should be handling this. Because... When people go to the government, they don't have a work ethic, they don't know how to work, and they were fired for some reason, okay? After the government has helped them, did uh, they fix any of those issues? Nope. They fixed zero of those issues because they didn't get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is a sin issue, whether it's laziness, whether it's slothfulness, whether it's all of these things. That's what the church is supposed to be there to help with. So the church needs to get more involved in society so that we don't need these government programs. You know, Joe and I were just talking the other day about um, college and how there are so many programs to help people through college uh, from the government. The government is funding um, people's college education. And this is a problem because that government now gets to tell these colleges what to teach. And we're seeing this plain as day. People go into a college, a conservative, and they come out a leftist, crazy liberal, right? So that's, what the, that's what's happening today. We can clearly see it. And they're obviously not being taught scripture, which is what they should be taught. So that's something. If people can't afford college and they want to go to college, they should be able to go to the church for that help, right? And the church should help them through those kinds of situations, all sorts of stuff. There's so many areas we don't even think about. Welfare, healthcare, college, all of this stuff is not the responsibility of Caesar. It's in part the responsibility of the church. One could also say it's responsibility of the individual, but the church should play a role in this and they're not. So long-winded explanation, <laughs> but going back to the orig original question, it's what are the ways that you can get your church involved in your local community? If your church is already involved, we'd love to hear how. And again, you can send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. Um, but you can also comment on our Gab page, which we would love if you did either of those or do both of those. We would love that. Please. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? <clears throat> Okie doke. Oh. Well, thank you all. 
you audience, thank you so much for uh, listening or watching us uh, today, listening to us or watching us. I always stumble on that. Um, we really, really appreciate it. If you could uh, share this with as many friends as you can find, just, you know, scroll through your contacts and blindfold yourself and pick on one and just send our show to them. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, you can do that by going to trdshow.net. Again, that's show, the Reformed Dissenters show, trdshow.net. Copying that link and sending it to as many people as you possibly can. That website will contain a list of links to all of the many platforms we're on, including pro First Amendment platforms. So be be, uh, feel free to share those clips as well. If you'd like to share our Rumble videos or Gab videos, we'd love that as well. Follow us on our Gab page, which would, would that would be super cool. Again, our email address is trdshow at protonmail.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's everything I have to say. Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, we will see you on next week's episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it unto the Lord.